What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Granham. Guys, the Celtics season is, I think, mercifully um, winding down here. After Tuesday night's 130 to 108 loss to the Brooklyn Nets, which it is genuinely like a major sports cliche to say this, but it was not that close. Like it was not a 130 to 108 game. Brad even shouted out the bench players who came in. He said they played with like good effort, which another sports cliche is the coach praising the Tremont Waters of the world who came in and played with a little bit of energy in their four minutes of garbage time. But anyways, uh, what did you guys think of the Celtics 22 point loss? The Nets are so much better than the Celtics. And I think we knew that coming in, but the talent disparity was so apparent in game two. It shouldn't have to be said that like when the Nets are hitting everything and shooting so well that becomes amplified but it was so so ugly also the nets are playing much better defensively than i assumed they were going to coming into this series so credit them on that side they've been pretty physical and they've switched really well and it's really screwed up the celtics but they are just such a better team we thought the series was over heading into the series and then after game one we're like oh the series is over but like the celtics had their chance And now like the series is really over. Like the Nets blew them out. I think we had Sam Sheehan on the podcast and he was like, it's going to take a blowout for me to be convinced. I think even Sam Sheehan is convinced at this point. Well, let's not put words in in the man's mouth. Uh, (laughs) But I think that's right. I mean, like the Celtics played pretty well out of the gate, like the first like five or six minutes or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, Joe Harris just like crushed their spirits. Like he hit like three threes and they just completely were just like, I'm done. That was, I think, one of the more stunning things about this game is like, I mean, I get it's it's the Nets and all of that, but the fact that it was just like all it took was like a couple of three pointers. I was watching with my dad, who's a, who's a big Celtics fan, and you know, after the first three, he was he he just was kind of like muttering to himself, "We got to get out and guard him. We got to get out and guard him." And it was like, yeah, that decided the game. Like those shots, just early on, they they literally decided the game. They had to get out and guard him. The Nets have so many players that can score in a hurry, and the Celtics just don't have the personnel to match that. They just don't have the offensive firepower, the scoring to match that. And then too, like because the Nets have the ability to score points in a hurry, once they get out up front, like good luck playing catch up. Even in the first quarter, once I saw, I don't know, it was like 40 to 26 or whatever. And it's like, this is it. Also, you're watching Joe Harris just cook the Celtics, but you're also watching the Celtics then help off other guys to go put bodies on Joe Harris. And then they get fried elsewhere. Offensively, that team is loaded. And so you really need to pick your poison. That being said, the Celtics did have some blown coverages on Joe Harris. There was a couple of times they were going under screens. And Joe Harris, uh, yeah, what, what are we doing here? What's happening here? So that was pretty wild to watch. But you watch the Celtics try to contain a Brooklyn run, and you almost feel bad for them because when they're just firing on all cylinders, what are you supposed to do? Who who are you helping off of? It's You're basically helpless. And the Celtics looked really helpless for a lot of that first half. Because literally, yeah, like you said, what are you supposed to do? Yes, you should guard Joe Harris 100%. At the expense of what? 
we have not said the names Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Or- <laughs> <laughs> That's because they played like 24 minutes before they were able to just remove <laughs> themselves from the action. Right? They, didn't, they didn't even really need Kyrie at all. He was just kind of hanging out, being an effective point guard, not really doing much. I thought James Harden really hurt them. Like if you had timely threes, he just had kind of those like backbreaking, like, okay, they contained everything else, but now James Harden is here. I wish I remembered who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted, a team literally once tried to guard James Harden from behind because his step back jumper was so unstoppable. (laughs) And like, now he plays with like KD and Kyrie, like, okay, but like, what are we all doing here? (laughs) Like this team is just so loaded to have expected anything other than what has happened in games one and two would be unreasonable you know for the for the Celtics even fully healthy this year let alone without Jalen Brown this was an unreasonable matchup probably from the start it was definitely an unreasonable matchup like they're not even close talent wise to this team but another thing I kept thinking when I was watching this game tonight is yes the Celtics are definitely the worst team we know we knew that going in but they didn't even even early on they didn't even push Brooklyn at all tonight Like they didn't force him into any difficult situations. Granted, some of that is because of the offensive firepower and how easily that ball was just kind of flowing around the court for Brooklyn. But the Celtics never put any pressure on the Nets for a single minute tonight. Sure, they were fine offensively when they started out, but Brooklyn was still up by like nine during that stretch. So that was another thing that kept crossing my mind was this was never even a struggle for Brooklyn. They they coasted the entire way. Some of that did have to do with the miscommunications on the defensive end for the Celtics. Cause yeah, they were clicking offensively. Brooklyn was, but the Celtics defense did not help that at all. Like the Celtics defense wasn't doing anything to help themselves. It wasn't, but like, if it did, like, well, if it did, they lose by, they lose by 15 instead of whatever they lost by. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Exactly. Like, how do you analyze this? That the Celtics are losing games that they probably should lose, that everybody expected them to lose and that they are now losing. Like, we can't make this into some, you know, grand, like this means X, Y, or Z about the Celtics. Cause no, it doesn't like (laughs) this just is expected. There's nothing they can do. Like, I know that like, that's not something Brad Stevens thinks and I'm sure Sure, well, maybe deep down, but like, <laughs> I'd like, there's just really nothing that they can do. I'm sorry. Like, what can they do? Yeah. And I mean, I think if, if there was anything that you could criticize the Celtics for, it would be like just completely folding after Joe Harris hit those threes, right? Like that was probably the one moment where you're like, okay, could you not have fought back against that? Except that before the series even started, we were all saying the Celtics can't afford to get down by 10 because they're not going to make that up against the Nets. They got down by 10 and it's like, how can you blame them for being like, how are we going to come back against James Harden, Kevin Durant, yeah. and Kyrie Irving? Like, I don't know. I, I don't, there's like nothing to blame them for. It's just, this just kind of is what it is. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't I don't even totally know what else to say about this game. Like, there's there's nothing to really break down. Like, Jason Tatum uh, struggled again from the field, and then he went out after he got poked pretty hard in the eye by Kevin Durant. Like, that looked like it really hurt. Tatum went to the bench. He went to the locker room, came back to the bench. And then he went back to the locker room. He just never looked very comfortable. Uh, after the game, Brad Stevens said that his eye was was really red and really swollen. So, I mean, we'll see. I would expect that Tatum will probably be fine by Friday. Um, that certainly doesn't help either. That, like, we, we said before the series, like, well, maybe the one thing that could happen is that Jason Tatum could just be, like, a super-duper star. And he hasn't been, obviously. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't even know what a super-duper star would do with, like, every ounce of the defense thrown at them. Because if they throw everything in and shut down Jason Tatum, the Celtics have no other offense. Even Tatum can't really save them because, again, 
again, he's the focal point of everything. And he's, you know, any time that he gets the ball, he's going one on three. Before the series started, I said that I thought both of those guys were going to have to be around 30 points for them to actually like be in these games. And when I said it, I thought to myself, like, that's kind of a crazy thing to say. And that's probably stupid. This is the kind of thing I was thinking about, like worst case scenario in my head. You may have been low. Yeah, right. Where Brooklyn is just clicking. Like, you're not going to win unless Tatum's having a great game, Kemba's having a great game. And Tatum has been really off. You have to credit Brooklyn's defense because they have forced the Celtics into those isolated possessions where they just get horrible looks. Brad Stevens talked about it again and again after the game one loss. We need to attack the switches better. We need to attack the switches better. And they didn't really do anything differently in the first half at all. And granted, some of that maybe was the fact that, oh, shit, we're down a million points already after the first quarter because Joe Harris is killing us. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I think Tatum hasn't really gotten a lot of good looks. Some of that's his fault. Some of it's the way they've attacked the switches across the board, but it's just been really unproductive offensively across the board. Even coming out of this one, I felt like coming out of game one, the positive that everyone could take away that like Celtics fans were, you know, understandably like excited about was, okay, like Rob Williams looks like a potential all-star down the road or like a borderline all-star kind of guy. And I mean, there's not even like that little bit of like, oh, like player, I mean, Neesmith didn't shoot well, like Pritchard didn't make anything. Like there isn't even like the, well, at least the future is bright from this one. It's just like, well. Literally, what would be the positive? There literally isn't one. (laughs) Maybe the draft class filling out a little bit beyond the lottery. (laughs) And you start looking at some prospects around 16, pick number 16. Yeah, I have no idea. There's no positives. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing about it is like, I'm trying not to be like too negative, even in like, because obviously everything is negative for the Celtics right now, but like, I'm trying not to be too negative because again, this is what we all expected. I mean, Tom, would you like to be reminded of your text that you sent to us before game one? (laughs) Every time I remind you of it, you roll your eyes. So uh, no, I would not like to be reminded of it. heading into game one there was like reasons to be optimistic and after game one you're like okay like there's still reasons to be optimistic but like after game two it's just like there's nothing in my opinion going into the series we didn't know how easily and how quickly Harden, Kyrie, and Durant would gel. Like, that was a big thing for me. I was like, these guys have only played eight games together. Like, you know, what happens? How do they work through stuff? And it turns out they work through stuff by just, it, it was kind of like, you know, Angola in like night, in the like with the dream team being like, well, like Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan uh, have only played together like, you know, three games. Like, maybe they're not going to be that good. Like, it's like, yeah, like as it turns out, Katie, Kyrie, and, and, and Harden can work it out. Like they'll figure things out. It'd be a good basketball team. So I think that was a big one for me. I, I thought like, hey, maybe like, you know, that and the Nets defense, like Brennan mentioned early on, like you kind of looked at the Nets defense and you said 22nd is really bad. Like even for, even for a high powered offense, like having the 22nd best defense in the league is really low for a contender. But yeah, when they, when they start playing good defense and it turns out the continuity things don't matter, that solves that. And, uh, and like Charles Barkley said, it's going to be a quick 4 sweep. Defensively, I've actually been really impressed with them. I thought that was even going to take longer to come along than the offense. They're physical as hell, even out on the perimeter. And it's almost like when they turned it up a notch defensively in game one, it was like we've seen before the Celtics kind of getting punched in a way. And when they got that thrown at them, they just didn't know how to react and they still have yet to react. And we talked about it like early in the first quarter of game one, they were running some good actions for Jason Tatum, getting him going downhill. They haven't done that since then. And I don't really understand why. And and I've seen they've tried a couple of times to attack him, but then he'll settle for a perimeter shot. 
I don't know. I've, I've been impressed with their defense. Some players have said that defense is like basically an effort thing, like especially individual defense, like team defense, you have to be on the same page and there's some communication involved. But like when it comes to individual defense, I think a lot of players have said, yeah, it's just like, if you try, you can do a pretty good job, like one-on-one if you're athletic enough and Kyrie Durant and Harden, I think all have like athleticism and like skill to like be able to be a capable defender if they try. And so maybe it was just a matter of like them getting on this stage and putting forth like actual effort. A hundred percent. Like in, in what was it? 2016, you know, Kyrie, like the whole thing in that series was like, Oh wow. Like Kyrie's actually playing like great defense for literally the first time in his career. And yeah, sure enough, like Cleveland went on, you know, to win that series. And, and I, and I remember people bringing that up in 2019 when Kyrie was waving off everyone to guard Giannis for whatever reason. <laughs> But yeah, like, I mean, when Kyrie decides that he wants, yeah, like, like you said, all of these superstars have like the baseline athleticism necessary to be a perfectly acceptable defender if they try. And the good thing for Brooklyn is that any one of those guys at any given time can absolutely try on defense. Cause if KD is trying really hard and wearing himself out guarding Jason Tatum, he can just let James Harden and Kyrie Irving take care of things. And Joe Harris, like, and all of these, I mean, Landry Shamit, like, like he hasn't even done anything, but he can really shoot. Like they just have so many guys. It's a good basketball team. A very good basketball team. That is Geno Time's official take on the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I, like, I think I'm like, are you guys ready to draft? Like, I don't have anything <laughs> else to say. I guess the one positive that just came to mind was they are returning home. They have another two days rest, though that didn't really help them at all with game two. <laughs> what are the numbers like? Friday is what, like 30%, 25%. And then it goes up to like 18,000, 17,000 on yeah. Sunday. Is that right? I, I think it's that. something like that. Yeah. So maybe they'll only lose by five in game four then. If they are down 3 0 heading into game four, who do you think gets look? So, like, game three, Kyrie is going to be booed loudest of all, obviously. Yeah. Game four, who do you think gets booed louder? Like, the Celtics when they're down 20 or Kyrie when he's introduced in like the, like the warm up? Like, the Celtics might. I think Celtics fans hate this team at this point. I think they're so ready for this season to be over. I've had multiple friends who are Celtics fans text me, be like, I wish the next couple games were just at the end of this week, like Thursday, Friday, we could just get this season over with and move on with our lives it hasn't been a fun season to watch like and i I mean like you can say that without blaming any player for anything it just hasn't been like this team like this version of this team there's a bunch of fun guys on it but like this version of this team has just been brutally bad to watch when you said if the Celtics are down 3-0, I didn't realize you were talking about the series score. And I thought you meant like if the Celtics get down 3-0, like in the game. <laughs> James Harden hits 1-3 to begin the game. And it's over. And I was like, wow, we're getting really spicy now. <laughs> yeah. That's a punch the Celtics can no longer take. Justin Thompson loses the jump ball and I just throw my computer up in the air like, this is done, I'm leaving. That is one take I have. Tristan Thompson was playing so hard when they were losing by 100 points in the second half. It was really weird to watch. I'm I'm like, you're not playing for a job, really. You're not like looking for a two-way deal or something. Maybe he's trying to prove, hey, I don't stink. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, here's the funny thing. We've talked about this game and literally said that there are no positives after it. Like, like... that all of the positives have been sucked away. And uh, I don't think that any of us would have this on one of the worst losses of the season. Like, no, because it was expected. Yeah, right. This is, this is just what we expected. So on that note, Grenham, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, take us into the, the draft segment here? 
All right. This Geno Time draft is brought to you by our friends at Shades on Beer Company. This is going to be one of our more depressing uh, Geno Time drafts, but it's going to be a fun one because everyone's just kind of accepted where this team is at this point. So uh, Shades on Beer is obviously the makers of the delicious Geno Time Stout. For Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island, where you can have a Geno Time Stout and complain about the Celtics as you head into the offseason. Just like we're about to, we're going to go through the Celtics' worst losses of the 2020-2021 campaign. This is going to be a great one. I'm really excited for this. <laughs> I just fired up the list randomizer, and Tom, you have the first pick, followed by Grenham and then myself. Well, I mean, look, when you, when you talk about worst losses of the season, it doesn't get much worse than, uh, let's see here, it was April 27. They lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who had lost, I believe, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, 20 games in a row? Is that right? They lost... Uh, 45? <laughs> it felt like they had <laughs> lost like a million. I don't know what the actual streak was. Some ungodly number of games in a row. And then they went on to start a whole nother losing streak the day after they played the Celtics. <laughs> So the, the Celtics were really the, uh, the cream in the middle of that Oreo and they uh, lost 119 to 115 to make matters worse coming on the heels of a, of another bad loss. that I'm sure somebody will take in here, brutal losses, two in a row, <laughs> I, I, a real low point in the season. It is pretty funny looking up and down the schedule. <laughs> Oh, what do we got here? Last week we had, or I'm sorry, last post-game episode, we had nine options for a draft. We have plenty of ripe options uh, for this draft. I am actually having a really tough time with my second pick here. I have I have numerous options, but I'm having a difficult time picking. I'm going to take another recent one just because it's somewhat fresh in our minds. And it was a very meaningful game and one they really needed to win. But it was May 7th, Friday, when they came out in Chicago and just laid an egg against the Chicago Bulls when they really needed a win. And it was against the Bulls. And they had just come off beating the Magic. And they're basically saying, all right, we need a win before back-to-back against the Heat. These are playoff implications. And they got waxed by the Chicago Bulls. And so that... Just because of the playoff implications and how poorly they played in that game, that's going to be my pick just because they desperately needed to win that game and they could not have played worse. All right. I'm going to take the game on February 21st at the Smoothie King Center Mm. when the Celtics had, I think, a 23-point lead late in the third quarter and managed to blow that and the Pelicans forced overtime and then won the game. 120 to 115. That was a really good one. Brandon Ingram put up 33. Zion put up 28. I think this was probably in that stretch of the superstars going off for 30 plus. Josh Hart looked like a superstar in that game, if I remember correctly. It's absurd. So I'm going to go with that. And then I'm going to take one of my all-time favorites, February 24th, just days later. (laughs) That's such a good one. That's what I was going to pick. At the State Farm Arena, when our good friend, friend of the program, Danilo Gallinari, scored 38 points and made 10 of his 12 three-point attempts. In addition, Trey Young scored 33 points and I believe bounced the ball off of Grant Williams' back (laughs) and bounced a pass to himself and then score a layup. 
<laughs> the Celtics lost that one, 127 to 112. Yeah. This to... might be one of our more enthusiastic drafts <laughs> we're going to have in this first stretch of drafts here. My second pick is going to be probably, they have had a lot of really bad Sunday afternoon games, but in my opinion, no one tops their loss on January 17th to the New York Knicks oh, when they came out and shot 29%. From the field, they shot 15% from three and looked like they did not want to be there, all while Tom Thibodeau had the Knicks look like they were storming Normandy, just like playing defense like their lives depended on it on every possession. That was really embarrassing loss. So I'll take that uh, Sunday afternoon loss. That was one of my absolute faves. Um, I think the best part about that game was that before it, the Celtics had won five in a row. And yeah. there was this real sense of like, okay, like this team is eight and four. They're really working with something. And then just this absolute like whoopee cushion of a loss, just <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> like it was so bad. So that's, that one was a really good one. I wanted that for my next pick. All right. Well, in that case, uh, since I have, uh, I don't I think we're doing, we're probably doing another round here, right? Like everybody's got plenty more losses. Oh here. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so for my next two, I'm because it's only appropriate that these two get picked together i'm going with the losses to the miami heat the, uh, back in just a couple weeks ago which just i mean at like completely killed any point to the rest of the season we were like looking at that stretch run like this is going to be really crazy i mean the celtics might make their way all up to four i mean i remember that before the chicago game we were talking about like the celtics have like a real chance to get up to that four or five and then just loss after loss after loss and they were just done and the whole season was just wrecked that's how they ended up playing the nets in the first round those two losses to the Heat were really just a phenomenal one-two punch. Yeah, those were not great. That's a good pairing. I'm going to go with, there are two lovely choices among the Celtics trips to Cleveland. <laughs> I am probably going to take the one following those two Miami losses was really, really bad, but I'm going to take their first trip to Cleveland, which came right before they lost to the Sacramento Kings. Another nomination in this. So they came out and were so flat against the Cavs on Wednesday, March 17th. They lost 117 to 110. When, like, you're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were hanging around 500 at that point. I think that loss brought them back to 500. And that was one of the losses where, in my mind, it was like, wow, this team might kind of suck. So I think that was a confirming loss, in my mind, where, like, this team is having some pretty serious problems they shot 26 percent from three in that game it was really bad have you guys noticed that the celtics haven't had any close losses this year like they've had games where they got it close again at the end yeah but i can't think of the last time the celtics like played a moderately decent team and just like you know kind of pound for pound got to the end of the game and just the other team you know had a big shot with 45 seconds left and closed them out with free throws like I just don't feel like the Celtics have had any of those games this year it's funny that you say that Tom because my pick the Celtics have had all types of losses including <laughs> on February 23rd they lost to the Dallas Mavericks 110 to 107 on a Luca buzzer beater from 28 feet and it was a pretty competitive game uh, leading up to that point. And they, of course, managed to lose. 
And then a month later, and then a month later, they lost again at the hands of Luca. And then for my second pick, I'm going to take another Sunday matinee game, the Valentine's Day special, where they lost to the Washington Wizards and Bradley Beal scored 35 points. The Wizards at that point were seven and 17. Wait, is that your fourth pick? Yep. How many are we picking? <laughs> Nicole's just ready to keep going. <laughs> Nicole's going to go There's all night. We're going to go through the entire off. schedule. And Nicole wants to draft 13 of them, God damn it! <laughs> no, yeah, thir- 36 is divisible by three. We can do a full 12 rounds. We can do them all. The other close, Tom, you brought up close losses. The only one that came to my mind was the Portland loss that they had so I where Jalen and Jason both got hurt because that was a 10-point final. Yeah. But it was, they were within a possession with like 90 seconds left, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, you're right. I'd forgotten about that one because I remember after that game, the kind of the vibe being like, well, they lost again, but I guess you can't complain too much about this. Like, it was like, yeah, it was kind of a nothing game because nobody was happy about a win. And also nobody was like screaming mad about a loss. It was just, yeah. like, a, just like a normal sports night, which the Celtics have afforded very few of to their yeah. fans this season. All right, so do we, Tom? You we'll each pick one more because I'm so in for doing four of these. Um, All right, I, I, I need to. I I, I want to have on my roster the the Sunday afternoon game against the Charlotte Hornets yeah. right before the Oklahoma City Thunder loss, where they just got rocked in the teeth in the first quarter by Terry Rozier and Brad Wanamaker and company. Charlotte Hornets really wanted to play basketball that day. The Celtics did not want to be there, and it was hilarious. Oh, this puts me in a tough position because, I mean, there are some – I mean, there's a bunch of losses that are just like, how did you lose to this bad team? You know, there's like even like uh, a few games into the season, they lost the first game of that Detroit swing. Yeah. That wasn't very good. The wild part is, is they've lost to these teams like twice. They lost to the Bulls twice. They lost to Detroit twice. They lost to the Cavs twice. It's so bad. They lost to the Kings twice. And that's like, and that's why, how do you, how do you choose between them? They're all about the same. Yeah. No, I, 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 I surrendered my last pick. Auto generate my last pick <laughs> in this draft. It could be, it could literally be anything. If anyone is still listening at this point, you are a friend of mine because I don't hate the Celtics, but I'm having fun here. This is just enjoyable. It's almost cathartic. It's somewhat cathartic. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Definitely think we can leave it there. Thank you to everybody who listened, who who hung around. I mean, this was this was a hell of a game. And we will talk to you all again later this week. Holy shit. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.